Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Good to have you with me on this Sunday morning. Trust you are doing well and everything is good in your world and you've come this morning ready to dig into some things. I'm, I'm excited about the message today. I want to I pick up where I left off last week on part two of You Ain't Double-Minded. Remember James said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways? So we're, gonna, we're moving out of that. Any double-mindedness we have and we want to move into having a renewed mind. That's what I want to talk about this morning, what that, what that actually looks like and how we can function in a, in a renewed mind. So I think you're going to find this informative this morning. And uh, it might be something good you want to share with some of your friends that are struggling with, with their thoughts. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, I think it is, says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Isn't that what we all want? We all want that perfect peace. We all live in that place in life where we're not um, upset, we're not anxious, we're not frustrated. And Isaiah the prophet said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, watch, whose mind is stayed. That's, it's in a fixed position. And where should the fixed position be? He ends up by saying, on thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. I think I'm quoting the old King, King Jimmy version there. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, or stayed on God, stayed on the things of God. I want to break that down for a little bit this morning. So let's finish up what we were teaching on last week in regards to our mind and moving from any double-mindedness we have. I think the mind is where most of us are dealing with people for years and years and years. I think that the mind is probably uh, what gets most of us bogged down in our spiritual development, especially as you come into this place of being a manifested son or daughter. The mind probably is the biggest bump in the road that we have to overcome. It, it's really hard to get out of some mindsets that have been cultivated in us for years and years and years in a church setting, in a, in a religious setting in a denominational setting where everything is uh, stereotyped, where everything is brought in, told us what we can believe, how we are to believe it, and then, of course, backs it up with Scripture. But even more than that, even more than that, the mind is where the real battle takes place. If we're, if we're not careful, our minds tend to slip back into this thing of separation. We talked about that a lot at the Digital Cathedral, and, and you know we, we say there's no separation between us and God. We work at that. But whenever there's difficulty, whenever there's a pushback in life, it seems like that's one of the first things that wants to creep into our thinking is that, yeah, somehow God separated from us. Or where was God when I really needed him? When I called out, he didn't seem to be there. This, and that takes place in your mind. As does sin consciousness, remembering of sins, or if you, if you feel like you messed up, your mind always condemns you. Your mind tells you that you're at fault. Your mind tells you you'll never make it. Your mind tells you that that you're, you're really just a screw-up. You ever go through that? How about fear? Fear is what we battle in our minds. Guilt comes through our mind. Shame, depression, anxiety, all the, all the feelings that we come through in life trying to develop in our, our spiritual position all comes through our mind. Our mind is where the battle is. The products of the mind are, are just indications that we are having a little trouble and we're on spiritual tilt, if I can say it that way, that we have not renewed our minds, that we're not walking in that dimension that is fully available to us. Now, when things like fear, anxiety, depression, sin consciousness, when those things arise in the world, it's medicated. We take a pill. We go to the doctor, and he gives you something to get you out of depression, to slow down the anxiety. I'm not, I'm not 
if some of you are, are experiencing that, I'm not, I'm not telling you to get off your meds. I'm just telling you I think that there's a better way, or at least I think there's a way that we can begin to look at life that may help us in some of those areas. So the world looks to medicate it or to mask it, and oftentimes that's the only thing we know how to deal with it, is to just pretend it's not there, put a mask on it, uh, or, or take a pill. When we look at scripture, especially post-resurrection, Paul had a lot to say about our minds. I want to read just four, four or five scriptures, if I can, real quick, just to get us thinking in the right direction on, on dealing with our minds. Because I know, I know from experience that if we, can, if we can whip this battle, if we can get our minds thinking right, life is going to be a lot smoother. Watch what he says. Two of these verses I quoted last week. <clears throat> Let me just hit those two, and I want to give you two that I didn't quote last week. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world. If you don't renew your mind, there is a conformity the world has for you. If you don't think according to spirit, the world has a way for you to think, and it will compress you, it will, it will conform you to its pattern. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform means be changed into a different form. I told you that that word actually is the word metamorphosis. It's the same word that we would say a caterpillar undergoes when it becomes a butterfly. It's a process of metamorphosis. It becomes something that it wasn't before. Paul is saying that if you want to become something you weren't before, then the key is to do something with your mind. And he says, when you are renewed in your mind, you will prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Then in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23, he says it like this, be renewed or restored in the spirit of your mind. And what I picked out of that verse last week was the fact that when you renew something, it had to at one time be new. So when you renew, you're taking it back to the position that it was when it was new. If you refurbish or you restore or renew a piece of furniture, you have to strip it down, uh, sand it, get everything, and you want to take it back to its original look. Restoring cars, restoring furniture, we renew it back to what it was. So in order to be renewed, at one point it had to be new. All right, let me give you a couple of verses I don't think we talked about last week. And one is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we used to hear this verse a lot in church, but I'm going to take it down another level today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations, arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we got a part to play in this renewing our mind thing. We need to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Sometimes you can't help what, what thoughts enter your mind, but I'll tell you, you can stop from thinking on them. And that's exactly what this verse is addressing, that if thoughts come in that you don't want to think, don't run the movie, don't, get it, don't stretch it out. Immediately bring it into submission to what you know to be true about God, to what you know to be true about the Christ. So if it, if it doesn't line up, if it doesn't uh, bring peace, if it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't enable you to progress in your life, in your walk, in your spiritual understanding, then that's probably a thought that you don't want to continue with. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, I know this, this verse by heart because uh, I've had to press in with this. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says that we need to think on things that are good, pure, perfect, 
lovely, and of a good report. So there's some things that we can think on. You, anything that is good, pure, perfect, lovely, and of a good report, you take that thought, it automatically bends the knee to the Lordship of Jesus. You don't, you don't have to worry about throwing those, those thoughts out. So those are just four real quick scriptures. And I want you to see that the scripture has a lot to say about our mind because our minds are extremely important. You can be flesh-minded or you can be spirit-minded. And whenever, I, if I mention flesh-minded in this teaching, what I want you to understand is that a flesh mind, a flesh mind is, is a mind that makes decisions based on what the five physical senses, the data that it feeds to the mind. What, what, you, what you see, what you hear, what you feel, all five senses will send their impressions to your mind. And if your mind makes a decision based on those five physical senses, that's what we call being flesh-minded. And that's where we get ourselves into all kind of difficulty. The data that, that the five senses feed to the mind is always vacillating. It's changing. It's, it's, it's like a wave of the sea. It just moves one way and then another. Uh, the stock market's up one day, it's down another. If you're all encouraged because you're 401k, you're 403b, uh, your stock portfolio is good because the market's up, then you're ecstatic. And when it dives, then all of a sudden you're depressed. So all that data is fed to your mind, and you make decisions based on that. Now, you can be spirit-minded. One that is spirit-minded is one that has renewed his mind to the things of, of the spirit. Now, you can control your mind. Let me just reiterate that. You can control your mind. You can't probably control thoughts that come into your mind. There are a lot of thoughts that you don't want to, to hang on to. That's why Paul wrote 2 Corinthians 10.5. You take those thoughts. If you don't want to think about disease, if you don't want to think about sickness, if you don't want to think about dying early, if you don't want to think about your kids dying in a, a car wreck somewhere, don't, don't think on it. Don't think on it. Think on things that are good, pure, perfect, lovely, and of a good report. So if thoughts come to your mind of, of killing, stealing, and destroying, you don't want to, you don't want to uh, harbor those. And thoughts become like movies. You think about them a little bit, and when they come back, you think about them a little more. And pretty soon, those thoughts are dominating your mind. That movie then becomes a double feature, and it can become a, a real stronghold that we have to deal with. Okay? So you can think spirit. You can think flesh. It depends on what your mind is going to key into. Now I'm going to, I'm going to move into some, some things here. I'm just laying a little bit of foundation. And I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in just just about now because there's one verse that I think we set aside. We read it, but it it might be one that we don't do, and it has to do with having the right mind. Right? I'm gonna get you in the right mind this morning. We started last week, finish it up this week. I'm gonna get you in a in a place where your thinking is right, where you're going to think everything of yourself that you should think. Scripture says that we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. But the Bible never tells us to think less of ourselves than we should think. And that's generally where people live. It's not that people think more highly of themselves or have an exaggerated opinion of themselves. They might have a facade or veneer that comes off that way. But internally, and this is where the real thoughts come from, internally we tend to think less of ourselves. So let me just elevate your thinking this morning. There's a verse in Scripture that I love because it sets, it sets in place the mind that we should have. And I'm speaking about Philippians chapter 2 and verse 
5. So are you ready this morning? All right, let's, let's start to move into this. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind, the word, the word let there is the word franero, and what it means is to allow, to give place, uh, to give permission. It, it, he's driving at have a have a opinion of yourself. Let this let this mind let give it permission. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we need that we need to give permission. We need to consciously say, "I'm going to think like the Christ." And now I'm going to tell you in just a minute how that how that mind thinks, and I'm going to tell you how you can key into it. So don't don't click me off this morning. Stay with me. This is. This is vitally important to your development as a manifesting son and daughter. So we have to give permission to this mind to dwell in us. We have to allow it. We can't prevent it. We have to give it a right of way. And the word mind there means to have an attitude or an intent, in a, a focus, the way that you think. That's probably what we normally think about a mind is the way that you think. But it also takes into consideration your focus. Your intent. What this verse is saying to us is that how Jesus saw himself, how Jesus thought about himself, that same mind we should allow, we should let, we should give permission to also dwell in us. This is the pattern of how we're to think. Now here's where it gets sticky. <laughs> here's where people have a problem. Here's where we need to renew our minds. Now listen very closely. Here's where we need to be transformed and no longer conformed to religious thinking. Because religious thinking is going to take you down the trail of sin consciousness, doubt, fear, condemnation. It's going to fill your mind with all those things. Here's where we need to come out. And here's where a lot of people struggle because this, this mind of Christ is a mind that many people think is beyond us or it's braggadocious or... I'm not, listen, I'm not bringing the mind of Christ down by saying you should have the mind of Christ. I'm not devaluing the mind of Christ. What I'm doing is bringing you up to a position where you need to think of yourself. So he's going to tell us exactly how this mind of Christ, which you do possess, by the way. Paul tells us in two or three places that we have the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, then, then that word phreneo, allow it, give it permission, give it right of way to dwell within us, to, 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 to be the pattern of our thinking. If we have it, then it's a matter of letting it develop. It's a matter of giving it a right of way. It's a matter of saying, okay, this is, this is the way I'm going to think. But it gets really sticky right off the bat because in verse 6, he tells us how this mind thinks. Now look what he says in verse 6. Let me read verse 5 and verse 6 together. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So the first thing that he says is, if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we need to think it not robbery. We, don't, we shouldn't think that it's evil or something not to be uh, attained to think ourselves on a level of equality with God. Now let me just explain that a little bit because people get all, all messed up on that. They think that makes them God. 
you're not God. You're not first cause. You're not the creator of the universe. Whenever you can create a tree or you can create a star or a planet, come back to me. That's not what he's getting at here. He's, that's, that, that's not all of what he's getting at. He, he's saying that we are of one essence, that, that we're in full harmony with God as one, that we begin to have a process of thought as God has it, that no longer is it you and the Father, there's not two, there's one. And that word equal is, is really a strong word there, who being in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So this is something that is, you know, it's beyond us. But the word equality or the word equal there is the Greek word esos. And you know what it means? It means equal. It means identical. It means same value. Now, think about this now. What he's, what he's telling us is that we need to have a mind that is identical to the Father. It, we need to have a mind that is identical. We need to have a mind that we say, okay, this is of the same essence. Now, let me just put a little caveat in here before you get all bent out of shape. You are not, you are not God apart from him. Any, any divine nature that you have, any speaking of you are gods, is not putting you off over here and you're a God on your own. Don't ever think I teach that. I don't. I'll tell you what. You are not a God apart from him. All you have, everything that you, that you possess, Spiritually speaking, every quality that you have is simply a reflection of who you are in Christ. If you were not in Christ, you would have none of this. Everything we speak about now, when I'm talking to sons and daughters, I'm not, I'm not somewhere where I'm speaking to people that are totally unenlightened. I'm speaking to people at the digital cathedral that have come through a, a process. You're, you're on a journey. You're recognizing things. You're awakening. Things are, are, are happening in your life. You're moving from glory to glory. And we need to realize that every, every advance, every move that we make comes because of who we are in Christ. What, what I believe Paul is getting across here is very simply this. The Father took up everything that he is, his image, his likeness, and he planted it in you. When we talk about let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who did not think it robbery to be equal with God or that it was something to be grasped, what he's saying is God's taken everything that he has, everything that he is, out, his very essence, his very substance. And in Genesis 2-7, when he blew the breath of life into you, he blew into you everything that he is. Jesus' sonship did not move the spotlight from the fatherhood of God. When, when Jesus said that he was the Son of God, he was reflecting the Father. It did not move the, the, the spotlight off his Father. In fact, Jesus said, I can only do what the Father says I can do. At one point, Jesus said, the Father is greater than I am. Yet he said, the Father and I are one. Do you, do you understand that? Now, you're, 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 you're one in, in essence. right? You're not one in position. You're not one in function with the Father. Jesus never claimed to be in position. He always reflected. He always pointed to the Father. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. There is an, there is an order within the Trinity. Jesus reflects the Father. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Holy Spirit never speaks of himself. Jesus never elevates himself above the Father. All right, are you with me? Yet Jesus, yet Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. That doesn't mean that I come out of my position. I come out of my element. I come out of my measure of rule. 
Let me say it to you this way. Jesus' humanity did not detract from his deity, nor did his deity detract from his humanity. He was 100% both. He was 100% humanity, 100% deity. When you walked out, now this is strong, this is strong. When you walked out of the grave with Jesus, when you resurrected with Jesus, you came out of that grave as a new creation, having the mind of Christ. And you are 100% human, absolutely. But you have a divine nature. You're a partaker of the divine nature. You can get just a little dabble, do you? When you are a partaker of the divine nature, everything that divine nature consists of, in essence, you have also. Now, here's how that mind of Christ manifests. Well, just get yourself in a position where you can begin to say, I have the mind of Christ. If Paul said you have it, then why would you say you don't have it? If Paul says you have the mind of Christ, why would we think in any other way than what is, than what is consistent with the way Christ thought? Why would we think of ourselves any less than Jesus, the, the flesh form, would think of himself as Christ, the, the, the form in, in, in deity? We should think the same way. The, the word Christ is not a, is not a name. It's not a, it simply means anointed one. So you are Billy Bob the anointed one. You are Billy Bob the Christ. Now, we, we have reserved that name for Jesus only, but that's not what the Christ means. It means anointing. It, means, it actually means to smear, smear with oil. It means to come into an anointing. So when you have the mind of Christ, you are having the, the mind of the anointed one. And I don't think that's, that's exalting you above measure. I think that's coming into a place. And I told you that, that your mind is what gives you the problem. Your mind is what gives you sin consciousness, fear, doubt, unbelief, condemnation. All those things happen in the mind. As we come into the mind of Christ, these things have no room to function. They can't stay with us. So now here's how the mind of Christ functioned. Here's how it manifested. His, his, his mind, the mind of, of Christ, is always under control of the Spirit. It does not think contrary to the Spirit. The mind of Christ you have will always think in conjunction with the Spirit. It does not think in alignment with the five physical senses. That's flesh-minded. The mind of Christ is a spirit-mindedness. Maybe you can understand it if I say it like this. The mind is a, is a, a wonderful servant but it's a terrible master. The mind needs to respond to what the Spirit says. We need to think in alignment with the Spirit. That's where the mind has to be renewed. The mind does not naturally think in conjunction with the Spirit. The mind automatically wants to elevate itself above what the Spirit says. Here's how the mind of Christ directed Jesus. Are you ready for this? Here's how the mind of Christ should direct you. All right, let's read on. He really, he really, he really socks the air out of us in that sixth verse, if you're, if you're thinking naturally at all. When he says, who being in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He was in the form of God. You are in the form of God, but you, you, you know, equality in essence, yes, but not in function, not in measure of rule, not in authority. All right? So verse seven, now here's how the mind of Christ thinks. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. So the mind of Christ will automatically manifest as a servant. Remember I told you you are sons by position. You're servants by manifestation. The mind of Christ will enable you to function as a servant and not downgrade yourself. 
Not think, man, I, you know, I, I'm giving myself to this and look how they're treating. No, you walk above that. <clears throat> and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So the mind of Christ begins to function as a servant. It functions in obedience. It doesn't fight anymore. It, this whole thing of, well, grace just enables you to sin. If you have the mind of Christ, you are obedient. You are obedient to the voice that is within. This, this whole garbage that religion throws out, that grace and the finished work and everything we're teaching, inclusion, is just a license to sin. No, it's not. When this works in, in your life, Paul said that grace empowers us. Empowers us. It's, it's, I think it's in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, 12, long under somewhere, that grace empowers us to live a righteous, godly life in this present age. So we're talking about the ability to live as he is in this present world. So it, it, it's going to manifest as a servant. It's, you didn't come to be ministered to, you came to minister. When you manifest the mind of Christ, you didn't come to exalt yourself, you came to be obedient, even to the death of the cross. And he voluntarily did that. He voluntarily laid his life down. All right, Galatians chapter 2. One more little quick side note here. And I want to read this out of the New King James and also out of the out of the um, out of the Passion because I think it really explains how this works. He said, "I've been crucified with Christ." <clears throat> that's the mind. Mind says that that's my position. Never, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live by, live in the faith. I live by the faith. And the wrong preposition. Instead of in, it should be of. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Mind of Christ functions that way. Mind of Christ is no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when we live out of the mind of Christ, we give ourselves for the world. We give ourselves even as he did. All right, let me read that uh, Galatians 2.20 out of the, out of the uh, Passion Translation. I love the Passion Translation. If you don't have one... There's a couple of, of versions you ought to get. You ought to get the Passion Translation, and you should get uh, you should get Francois's uh, uh, Mirror Bible. Those are two. I like the message. The message is good too. Now listen to this out of the Passion Translation because this this shows you how the mind of Christ functions. This is the way we think. My old identity has been crucified with Messiah, and it no longer lives. So the old way of thinking is is moving out. As the mind of Christ comes in, as light comes in, the old way of thinking is moving out and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. And I think it's even stronger than through me. I think the anointed one now lives his life as me. I think him living through me is a, is a stage of development. But it comes down, man, there, you can't tell your life and his life. Where, his, where your life stops and his life begins and his life begins and your life stops. It is so blended, so merged, so much in union that it's totally one. It's totally one. So if the life is that way, then the mind has got to be that way too. You can't still retain your thinking and believe that you're in union with him with no separation. He said, we live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into my life. So there's only, only one life in operation.
Okay, you got that? Your mind is the mind of Christ. And I've just told you what it looks like, how it functions. Now, how can you grab the mind of Christ? How, how, can, we, how can we renew our minds to the mind of Christ? I'm going to give you three things this morning that are going to be great signposts that you're going to, that you're going to recognize. Three things that you can do that you can grab a hold of that will renew your mind to the mind of Christ. Are you ready? All right, number one is this. The mind of Christ is revealed in the words of Jesus. You want to know how, how the mind of Christ thinks? Read the red. Read what he had to say. Let, let me, I'll give you two real quick examples. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. If you really want to renew your mind, then I'm a, this is, you, I don't think you can beat this right here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus said, therefore, and this is the conclusion of what he's been teaching. I'm just going to read the conclusion because this is how this is this is how the mind of Christ thinks. All right, this is how you can develop it. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, the first way that you can renew your mind is to hear the sayings of Jesus and do those suckers. Right? You got it. You read Matthew five, six, and seven, the Sermon on the Mount, and you see <clears> that Matthew five, six, and seven is the constitution of the kingdom. Now, the first, the first 10, 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5, I would call the preamble to the Constitution. We go through all, blessed are the ones, blessed are the ones. He's laying all that out. Then the rest of 5, 6, and most of chapter 7, he tells you how that looks. So you can get a lot of sayings of Jesus out of there. You know, if your brother offends you, don't get all messed up. If you, you know, you forgive him. If your brother's got a, a, a speck in his eye, you, know, with, you with a flagpole in yours, don't go over and try to... Uh, Correct him. Get your flagpole out of your own eye. So you can do all those sayings of Jesus. Uh, pray for those that despitefully use you. I mean, it goes on and on through, through the um, Sermon on the Mount. So what we're going to do, first way we're going to recognize uh, the renewing of the mind, how we can renew our mind, is to see the words of, of Christ. And Jesus said in verse 24, he that, he that hears me and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man that builds his house on a rock. He's not talking about home construction here. The house is your life, and the rock is him. When you hear the sayings of Jesus, do the sayings of Jesus, your mind is renewed to those sayings, you're going to build a house, you're going to build a life that is firmly secured on the rock. You hear his sayings, and you put those sayings into action. And I'm telling you, to put all the sayings of Jesus into action is, is something that you will... You will uh, have to let the Spirit build into your life gradually. I'm not saying you have to flesh sweat it to make your, your doing. I'm saying you rest in Him. Remember what grace is? Grace is a divine influence. The divine influence in this case is the words of Jesus. His Grace is a divine influence that produces effortless changes. I rest in Him. As I rest in Him, as I rest in Him, let those words take root in my life then I, I will see the change begin to take place when I can love others like he loves me. When I can forgive others, or before I would have judged them and condemned them. See, the sayings of Jesus, as you rest in him, let those sayings, you meditate them, you ponder them, they become part of your life. That word becomes flesh. That word becomes your motivation. Are, are, are you with me? All right, let me give you one more here. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. 
And here again, this is something that is a work of the Spirit. It's a work of grace in your life, so don't try to, you can't flesh manifest these. Remember, the mind of Christ is not motivated by the flesh. If you fail at this, your flesh condemns you, says you'll never be able to do this. You just rest in Him and let Him, let him do the transforming. Verse 35, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the greatest evangelistic tool that we've ever had to bring people into an awakening of who they are in Christ, is just simply love them. And we're seeing that all over Facebook, now social media, we're, we're really beginning to grasp it. It's, it's not so much what I believe, it's not my correct theology, it's what my life carries. It's, it's the vibe I put out, if I can say it like that. It's the frequency that emanates from me. It's, it's better caught than taught, right? So when he says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another, he's going to work that love into you. He's going to work that love and make it so. All right, number two. Number two, the mind of Christ is revealed to us by revelation. Revealed to us by revelation of the Christ by the Father. You, you remember that little, uh, little set too that Jesus had with Peter over in Matthew chapter 16? And let me pick it up with verse 15. This comes by revelation. He's, he's going to show you what Christ is all about. He's going to show you the mind of Christ. He's going to, and it's going to come by revelation. Man, this is good stuff. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Didn't come by sense knowledge. Did not come by sense perception. But it came from my Father, which is in heaven. All right? So Christ is bigger than his words. Now, the first way I said is his words. All right? But he's bigger than his words. He's, he's, he's bigger than the words in a book. Let me say it this way. He's bigger than the words in a book or the perception we have of the words that are in a book. Those, those are revealed to build on the words. Revelation should build on the words that we read that Christ said or that Jesus said. Right? The, the, the Bible is a launch pad. Right? The Bible is not the end, end, end all be all. The Bible is a launch pad. You, if, you, if you meditate Scripture, the spirit of revelation will hit you and you will see things that are not in the Scripture. It, it, see, you can't search Scripture just to think you're going to find everything that's available to you. Now, I emphasize uh, number one was the mind of Christ is revealed in the words of Jesus. Absolutely. But let's take that another step. When we meditate the words of Jesus, when we ponder the words of Jesus, when the spirit of truth comes and pulls the veil back, when the Father begins to speak to us, he will speak to us, and he will use what Jesus said as a launch pad many times. The words written never change. What, what, what the scripture says is never going to change. It, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But here's what changes. My perception, my, my, my understanding, my revelation, my, my depth of unveiling is going to change. As the Father gives me revelation, what I see is going to expand. It's an ever-expansion of the words of Christ. So I can read, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a man that builds his life on, on, on a firm foundation. Or I can read that. But then Revelation is going to give me some nuances of just how that maybe particularly applies in my life. Okay, so Revelation's important. We, we learn the mind of Christ. 
through the revelation that comes by the Spirit of truth that Jesus promised us would lead us into all truth. All right, number three. And I hit it. The Spirit of truth is going to teach you. Spirit of truth is going to bring it right down, make it practical, going to make it real. He's going to take you into all truth. And that's what John chapter 16, verses 12 to 16. I probably should read that just to give a good context. John chapter 16. And let me pick it up with verse 12. Verse 12. Jesus said, I still have a lot of things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Now that's that's a really, it's just bringing in what I said. It's going to come by revelation. He, there's a lot of things that I think he has to say to us out of, out of the book, out of your book, that we can't bear now. So how's it going to come? It's going to come by revelation, and it's going to come from the spirit of truth that continually develops us. That, 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 that makes our wholeness, the salvation, the sozo, that, that, that it continually increases that within us. So even though he's got many things to say so we can't bear it yet, don't, don't let that mess you up. Walk with what you see. Walk with what you know. All right, uh, verse 12, verse 13. How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Spirit of truth knows exactly what truth to break into your life at what time. There are probably things you have questioned. I've got a whole legal pad full of questions that I want to know the answer to. You know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm studying uh, some things. I'm trying to study some things out in communion. I think there's a whole truth and dimension and power in communion that we've never hit. And I, I want to I bring some of that to life. Okay? When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide us into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he will tell you things to come. So the spirit of truth, again, does not speak on his own authority. He speaks on authority of the Father. What the Father speaks through the Son in the Spirit. Uh, can, can you see that? So revelation and teaching by the Spirit are very close. Yet I can merismosum. I can separate them. I can I can see a difference between revelation and teaching of the spirit. Let me let me define the two for you. Revelation is like somebody turned on the light. It just hits you. It hits you out of nowhere. It in a flash you see it. You're reading something over. Oh, boom! There it is. Now the spirit truth teaching is a little bit more progressive. It's it's ongoing. The spirit of truth teaching builds line upon line upon line. It takes you from one level to the next level. It takes you from one height to the next height. You understand? The spirit of truth will lead you. He will lead you. He will guide you into all truth. Paul saw Jesus in a flash on the Damascus Road. <clears throat> and what he saw in a flash? He heard the words of Jesus. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then from there, what he saw in an instant, what the word of Jesus was, the spirit of truth took several years in the desert to, to lay out for Paul this tremendous revelation of Christ in you Gentiles, the hope of glory, to lay out the message of grace, to lay out the work of the uh, finished work of the cross. It, it says in Galatians chapter 1, I'm going to read two, three verses out of Galatians chapter 1, because it, it, it highlights how this worked in Paul's life. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 says this, I, I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Right? He didn't get it from, from flesh perception. He didn't get it from listening to other teachers. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came by the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
For you have heard of my for former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And he goes on and he talks about his position. Here's what I want you to see. What he got here was by revelation. And it came, it came in a flash on the Damascus Road. But then the spirit of truth unveiled for him. And what most people don't recognize, but I want you to recognize, is that Paul still grew in understanding. He still grew in revelation. Everything that Paul writes in his letters is not the full-blown maturity. Some of the things that Paul talked about, for example, he, he still was, was dragging a little bit of Judaism in when he talked about how women should keep silent in the church. That was, Paul, that was a, a, a stage of progression for Paul. That's how we saw it at that time. And yet, he also tells us there's no male or female in Christ, right? There's no Jew or Gentile. So there are things that Paul worked out. That's why we need revelation. That's why we need the spirit of truth. So when you read where Paul said, women shouldn't speak in the church, women shouldn't uh, be in authority over men, that he's still dragging along. But yet he saw more light. The spirit of truth took him even deeper there's no male or female in Christ. And that's what we're talking about is the mind of Christ. So when you're operating out of the mind of Christ, you don't see male, you don't see female, you don't see Jew, you don't see Gentile. In fact, you know nobody after the flesh. That's Paul's revelation. What I want you to understand is what you see today, what you're living in today, next year, two years from now, five years from now, is, is going to be way down the road. And the same worked out in Paul. When we read Scripture, we need revelation, and we need the spirit of truth. It is, a, it is a working out of your salvation. Sozo. It's a working out of your wholeness, of your soundness, of your full deliverance. So we're, we're, we're on a journey. I tell you that all the time. We're on a journey. And, and here at the Digital Cathedral, we just continually advance. Now, sometimes these three work together. Sometimes the words of Jesus, revelation, and the spirit of truth all combine and work together. You get, you get, you get the words of Christ. You get revelation like a flashbulb, and then there's just a continuing teaching that goes on. Again, that's what happened in the life of Paul in in Galatians chapter one. He goes on, and he I'm picking up verse fifteen. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who, who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So again, we in those three verses, we see the words of Christ, we see the revelation, and we see the spirit of truth. The words of Christ. Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard to kick against the pricks. He gives the revelation of the Christ within. Paul said, when it pleased the Father to reveal the Christ that was in me. How many times I've taught on that. He didn't reveal Christ to Paul. Christ had always been in Paul, but it took revelation. It took the spirit of truth to unwind it for him. And even then, he didn't go up to the apostles. Wouldn't that have been the first thing you probably would have done? Let me go check this out with Peter, James, and John. They're the heavy hitters. No, he, the Spirit took him into the wilderness and taught him line upon line, revelation upon revelation. In operating in the mind of Christ, there's one thing that I have discovered. There's one thing that doesn't shock me anymore, and that is this. 
my natural mind is going to argue, is going to debate on the words that I read of Jesus, the revelation that I understand and get, and what the Spirit of Truth continually teaches me. My natural mind many times says, man, I don't think that's right. I, I, I don't think we can, we can get into that. The mind of Christ takes what has come to you in spirit, the mind of Christ, and it deep dives into the things that God wants to reveal which are truth. The natural mind debates it. The natural mind debates it. So I have to bring those natural-minded thoughts into submission to the obedience to the mind of Christ. What, what, is, what does that mean? When my natural mind throws doubts into the mix, my natural mind says, you can't do that. You know, when, when I felt like the Father was leading me out of the building in 2018 and was leading me into doing something on the Internet that would reach around the world, more people than just in the building. I have people tell me, look, the message you teach needs to be, you know, needs to be expanded more to, than, than a building. I, I really didn't think, I didn't know how I was going to do it, didn't have any, any idea. And yet, look at all of us that gather on the Don Keithley ministry page all over the world. Watch, watch this digital cathedral from all over the world. But my natural mind says, you're going to screw this one up. This, you don't even have any idea how to, how to put this thing together. What happens is the mind of Christ settles in with peace. I had a lot of peace about it. I, I had peace, but my mind was fighting me. But when the mind of Christ is speaking, when revelation comes, spirit of truth is leading you, peace comes even when you don't understand it all. And for somebody that's not on the journey we're on, that's hard for them to understand. It often takes, listen, this is going to help you. It often takes the natural mind a long time to catch up with what you're seeing in the spirit. When you first got a hold of grace, your natural mind said, man, there's got to be something I have to do to, to get right with God. There's got to be something I got to do. And your natural mind says, you need to pray the prayer. You need to get baptized. You need to be obedient. You need to follow laws. You need to follow the rules. Right? Went through all of that. Yet inside you had peace. Now you understand what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 4 when he says, except you become as a little child, you can't enter into the kingdom. See, the mind of Christ is brilliant. The mind of Christ is, is wide open to revelation. The mind of Christ is wide open to not thinking it uh, bad to consider yourself on an equal footing with God because you know where your source is. All right? And you understand that it's the words of Christ, revelation, spirit of truth that is unveiling to your divine nature exactly who you are. But you, the, 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 the mind is brilliant. The mind of Christ is brilliant, and yet it receives like a little child. Can you, can you understand it? Can you grasp that? The mind of Christ has the full understanding of everything that the Godhead shares, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, right? But you receive it like a child. Now, here's the key to a renewed mind that thinks like the mind of Christ. Here's the key. Are, are you ready? You turn your thoughts from the things that are external and what's outside of you, what's going on around you. You stop looking at those. You stop letting those be your thoughts. And instead, you let the thoughts that are within be what guides you and leads you. You, you bring those thoughts, Paul said, to the obedience of Christ. 
I, I, I'm at a place where I can tell real quick when something is coming from outside, something's coming from inside, right? Those things that are happening on the outside, I just observe. I just observe them. And I ask the Father, what, what are, you, are you showing me something there? And then I listen within, okay? You observe. You're an observer of the outside. You're an observer of the stock market. You're an observer of politics. You observe it and you, and you listen within to what the Father is saying and telling you. Does that, sound, does that thought sound like Jesus? Does that thought look like Jesus? Does that thought feel like Jesus? Now, you're not going to know if you don't know the words of Jesus. That's part of the development of the mind of Christ. How can you know if it looks like Jesus, feels like Jesus, expresses itself like Jesus, unless you know what Jesus said? And, and you're not going to get revelation on what he said that takes it to a deeper level, or the spirit of truth is not going to lead you into all truth until you, 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 you just begin to enter into what Jesus said and, and put boots on the ground to it. Right? Tell the mind of the flesh to be still. All that stuff's coming, creating anxiety. People have problems with their mind. The biggest problem we face is with the mind. That's where depression, anxiety, fear, doubt, uh, that's where all that stuff comes is in the mind. That's where the battle is. The battle is in the mind. So you, when, not, when you're at a place where you can begin to discern what comes from without and what comes from within, you can tell that which is without, be still, hold on, be quiet. You're not guiding me. You're not leading me. You're not my boss. You're not my authority. I live from within. And let that voice rise up. Now, at first, this, is, this, this, this can be difficult because the mind of the flesh, the mind from without, the data from without, is used to being in control. We were raised for it to be in control. We were highly developed. Our culture, our culture moves by the thoughts that are without. So at first, it's, it, it, it's like this loud voice, and then you got this little still quiet, quiet voice going on inside. It, it, it's hard to, to let that little quiet voice have the precedence. But if you begin to practice it, this takes practice. Don't feel bad if you foul up, mess up. Just stay with it. You're, getting, you're, you're exercising the mind of Christ, which you possess. Never, never give up on that thought. You have the mind of Christ. It's now it's a matter of learning to listen to that little voice. And here's what, you, here's what you'll discover. That little voice will grow and grow and grow and grow. And it will get louder and easier to discern and be more reliable than that voice that's on the outside. Amen? Well, listen, God is good. He's always good. He's always love. And that's what the mind of Christ will always have you think and speak. Always good. Always love. Whatever is good, pure, perfect, lovely, and of a good report, those are what you think on. That's what you let control your mind. That's what takes you to the mind of Christ. Listen, his voice never changes, no matter, no matter what we allow into our thoughts. We can always flip it back. His voice never changes. If, if the world is speaking AM and the Father speaking FM, you can always flip the dial from AM to FM anytime you want, right? There still might be static from AM over here trying to get in, but you could, the beautiful thing about FM is there's no static. <clears throat> AM stations, you got to play with a little bit. FM, there's no static. He's always, listen to me, I'm, I'm, I'm done. My time is up. He's always pouring his thoughts into our mind that his thoughts might become our thoughts. And the way that he pours them in is through the words of Jesus, through revelation, 
and the leading of the spirit of truth, which will then direct our actions. I close with this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him. That means you yield to the inner voice. In all your ways, you yield to the inner voice. And he, through that inner voice, will direct you in all your ways. I'm telling you something. You're coming into the most powerful, beautiful walk you've ever lived in. And many of you are past the threshold. You're already walking in it. And this teaching today, this two-part teaching on the mind, is to challenge you to take it farther, to listen to that voice that is with it, become totally dependent on it. And he will always direct your path. Amen? All right. I think that's a good place to close. Thank you for being with me. Make sure you hit the like and the subscribe if you have not. Thank you for support. Thank you for walking this journey with me. I don't know of any other group of people I'd rather be with than you every Sunday morning and The Secret Place Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central on the Don Keithley Ministry page. Bring a friend to the Digital Cathedral next week. Have them over for a donut and a cup of coffee and let them be exposed to really how good our God is. God bless you. We'll see you next time.